take your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Last week I, I did a message on being under attack and the Lord kind of just impressed upon me to go back to this. And, and uh, we talked about we're not, we're not fighting against flesh and blood. Some of you worked your entire week trying to bring down an argument in your family and you didn't do anything but cause more damage because the true problem is not that spouse or child or grandchild or whoever it is that you're in that conflict with. You say, oh, I know it is. Trust me. I heard what they said. But you see, the Bible says that we, we have this battle behind the scenes that the, the devil is, is after us and he's, he's tearing us apart and he knows how to put the thoughts and the negativity and everything in our lives. You say, I know it came out of their flesh, but I tell you, their flesh is being influenced by the God of this world and the carnality and everything that's around it. And that's why the Bible says you better learn to protect yourself. You better learn to fight back. You better learn that this battle that you're wrestling with is not with flesh and blood, but against all these things. And there's one thing that I can tell you that we have all in common. We can all walk out here and say, man, I know what it's like to be under attack. God laid this on my heart after we did the, the shield of faith. And, and, I, and I'm not trying to pick and choose. They're just two that the Lord laid on my heart. Because a lot of times when we're growing up and, and having kids and and, and teaching them the lesson that we'll put the whole little armor of God on the kids and they'll stay in there in Sunday school class. And I'm not saying that that's bad, but for us as adults, we almost look at it as like that that's a cute flannel graph illustration. When you actually get into these things, and we talked about the fiery darts and how we have to hold before us a shield of faith, that faith is what you've been taught your entire life about shun and flee and, and, and don't do this and don't do that and abstain from these things and God is this and God is that and I hold that in front of me because Satan is going to be hitting you when you least expect it. That's the fiery darts of the wicked. And the reason why they're fiery darts is because they came out of nowhere and you'll have that negative thought and that attitude and that whatever and he'll hit you and all of a sudden you walk through that door Hitting, blasting your family with all sorts of negative because you, you got put, you got attacked, you got hit by the devil out of nowhere. Ephesians 6, 13, it says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. Ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having all done to stand. Realize a lot of people, you know, number one, you have to take the whole, the whole gamut, okay? You can't pick and choose. And today the Lord has brought me back to one, and you're saying... Boy, he's preaching about the full armor of God and he drove a cross on the, on the stage. And I'll show you because that this is the perfect uh, illustration of what we're talking about. He said in verse 14, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. Let me begin by stating and, and explaining this because I want us to totally understand what we mean by this because... A lot of us will get in and say, and you might have the same confusion that I had, and saying, all right, if I am clothed in the righteousness of God, then why do I have to put on the righteousness of God? I've already got it. And if I already have the righteousness of God, then why am I being attacked in my heart the way that he is? Well, let me explain this. See, before I was saved, I was lost, I was unforgiven, I was in debt. And the Bible says, as it is written... There is none righteous, no, not one. And I know we've heard these verses, but I want to connect the dots here and explain to you the righteousness of God. I want you to understand the soul of Tony, the humanity of Tony, where I'm going to go one day as being a saint of God. See, none of us at that point could stand before God. 
None of us were worthy to enter into heaven. None of us could overcome our sins. He said, well, I, I, I'm a pretty good person. Two weeks ago, I, I, I deal with people a lot of times, and I was witnessing to somebody, and, and I'm trying to help them understand their need of Jesus Christ. And through that, and I know it's only the Holy Spirit of God, but we plant the Holy Spirit or give the word by the word of God. And while I'm explaining this, their counter to me over and over and over again was something that they have done. I have given, I have done, I've volunteered, I've then, and I say, you know all this? Because the Bible says we are as all unclean thing and all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. You, you say, I, I, I thought you were telling us how to defend. I am, let, let's build up to it. All are lost and come short of the righteousness of God. All, all of us have. The Bible says that we're all clean, and the thing that the Bible is illustrating through that, in the, in the day of the lepers, these lepers, their, their, their bodies would be decaying, and as they would decay, they would wrap up those wounds and cover it up. It did not heal what the problem was. It only covered it up. And God, in this passage, says, let me tell you guys that are lost. All you do by your good works is cover up what is wrong. It might make you feel better, and it might cover up the problem, and on the outside, everybody thinks that you have it together, but on the inside, you are dying in your sin. All of your righteousness, of your good works, it's nothing but filthy rags. He said, goes on to say, and he says, by the way, it's not by your works of righteousness which you have done anyways, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Here's the good news. 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made, listen to this, the righteousness of God in him. Jesus, in the life that he lived, interacted with people. Everywhere he went, he, the Bible says he was a friend of sinners. He would go to them, he'd love them, he'd run to their house, He'd show grace to, to, to soldiers that didn't deserve it. He would do all these things. And he took all their pain and their grief and everything. And the Bible says, surely he had borne those things upon his body. And the Bible says that he took all of that unrighteousness of who he was in the world. And the Bible says that he laid down his life and he crucified it on the cross. It died. It came to an end. And it, it, it met its doom. It fell apart. That was it. Right there on the cross of Calvary. And you say, what does that mean? Without the cross, you are still unrighteous before God. And you cannot enter holy of holies and the God of righteousness and everything else without first encountering the cross. That cross is where my sin met my Savior. That cross is where they nailed it to a cross. Every bit of it. That cross is where Tony got knocked out. I'm going to listen to Jesus because he's. <laughs> uh -oh. He had made sin for us who knew no sin. That Tony would be made the righteousness of God in him. When I knelt at the cross and Jesus forgave me of my sins and I became a child of God, and the Bible says I was born into the family of God. I, be, I was made righteous. Now you, you sit there and say, wait a minute. I know you. You are not righteous. And I'm going to agree with you. See, the thing that you have to understand, there's more to me than my body. There's my soul and my spirit. Absent from my body, I promise you, I'm going to be present with the Lord. 
and in my flesh. And this is where I didn't understand it. I'm like, Lord, if, if there's nothing that can separate me from the righteousness of God, and even if I sin and I fail and all those things that I do in my flesh, I'm still going to heaven because I am clothed, I am wrapped in the righteousness of God. But I am still here in the flesh. And in my flesh, I battle the devil every single day. He cannot change the soul of me, but I tell you, the Bible says that there is a battle going on in the flesh of all of us, and all of us could identify as I know about that. My spirit indeed is willing, Pastor Tony, but my flesh is so weak. See, the, 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 what the Bible is illustrating and trying to get us to understand about take on righteousness, see, there is a thing that the righteousness that God was bestowed upon me when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, but the, 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 the cross and the blood and the power of Jesus Christ goes with me as I live out this life in the flesh. That's where we get this. Going back to our passage, the Bible says to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Talking about the power of God's righteousness. My soul is covered. Paul even told Timothy, and you don't have to turn there, I'll read this. He says, but thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness. Verse 12, he says, fight the good fight of faith. In this battle, God said, I want you to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Do you know what the breastplate would represent or what it covered for those that were in this battle? See, the most important part of a man that they would protect was the heart. See, there's a priority with the heart. And if you don't understand that a lot of people, the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So we go from the power of righteousness to the priority of the heart. There's a reason that God said to clothe your chest, to clothe your heart with righteousness, to cover it up. See, the, the heart is what represents you as a true person. It represents what we love. It, it represents what you like and don't like, the convictions that you have, what we think about. Your heart determines where you're going to go and what you're going to do. When you have, you, 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 have you ever talked to somebody who says, man, when they get worked up about something, there's no stopping them. They say, I want to accomplish this. I want to do this. I want to go to college. I, I, I want to pay off this. And they get that in their heart and they're just gun ho because they've determined in their heart the true meaning of who they are that they wanted to do this. By the way, it was us that was on the heart of Jesus when he went to the cross. It was, you say, how did a man get beat that many times? And how did they put the crown of thorns? And how did they make him carry that cross? And how did they, how did they do that over and over again? And he still went, because the Bible says it was because of the joy that was set before him, was, which was us. And I can't explain that, but that was on the heart of Jesus Christ. It was on the heart when he died on the cross for us. The Bible says a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringing forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringing forth that which is evil. For the out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. See, I don't, you, you, somebody can come up to me and say, you don't know my heart. I'm going to tell you, you're, you're right, I don't, until I get around you and hear you talk long enough. Say, you don't know what gets me going, Pastor Tony. I said, you're right, I, I don't until I get around you and long enough. And I promise you, whatever gets you stirred up, whatever gets you going, whatever gets that, that's eventually going to come out of your lips. And if the only thing that comes out of your lips is money or possessions or girls or things of this world, I can tell you what's on your heart. Because the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. 
That's why we get to the next part. The the Bible also tells us in Proverbs 4.23, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. You want to know why some dads and men can't stay faithful to their spouse? It's not in their heart. You know why some young people will be zealous and get married but cannot stay faithful to church? It's not in their heart. You know why some people will tell their wife, yes, I'm going to work on my language and I'm going to do better at that, but then they get to work and it all falls apart because it's, it's not in their heart. You understand that? You can convince somebody's brain all day long, but unless it's coming out of their heart, you're never going to get it. The reason that we're after our children's hearts is because out of the abundance of the heart is what they speak and where they go and what they do. Side note, let me tell you, the way to reach their heart is right here. The Bible says it pierces to the dividing of sinner, soul, and spirit. It reaches into their heart. It does what you cannot do. That's why we have preaching and teaching. That's why we have classes right now that men of God and ladies of our church that are God-fearing ladies that love God with all of their heart are standing before our children right now and they're teaching them because all the words and philosophy cannot change their heart and mind. But when the disciples had this in their heart, they were willing to lay down their life for Jesus Christ. That's why we proclaim the word of God. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Cross represents the righteousness that we have. You say, why didn't you, if you're going to illustrate this like you did last week, you brought up the the, the shield and you stood behind it and you did the arrows because, see, the righteousness that we have is not what you do, but everything that he's already done. And I want to try to pull this all together now. And and I was fearful today because I had this in my mind. And I'll be honest, I was a little distracted coming up here. When Jesus Christ gave his life on the cross, he paid for my sins to set me free. I don't know what is in your life, but let me tell you, you can't conquer it without the power of the cross because of what he did on the cross. So when Jesus Christ took my sin... He did that to set me free from my sins. I want you to do another Bible study. We did this last week, and I, and I said I want to show the application. I want you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 5.21. 2 Corinthians 5.21. There's the, the power of righteousness, the priority of the heart. But I, I want to show you what the Lord has done to bring those two together. And I want to be a little honest and, and forward with us today because this is the reason why so many people go astray. This is why so many people will be so gun ho to want to, to, to serve God or I'm going to be a better dad or mom or I'm going to be more faithful to church and I'm going to give God my all and I'm going to quit this and I'm going to start this and I'm going to be a new this and you cannot Because it's not in your heart to do that. And you say, how do I change that? And the Bible pleads with you and say, you must guard your heart. And it's not of your righteousness because you sit there and your determination say, I'm going to go out with those friends and I'm not going to do that. No, 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 no. And eventually you go down because your righteousness, your goodness is not enough to guard your heart. So how do you guard your heart? We see the protection of the believer. In Romans chapter 6 verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? 
God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sins live any longer therein? Jump to verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be, what's the word? Now some of you are saying, man, I struggle, I struggle, and you will, you will. I just want you to know. It is human nature, it's human flesh, we have it, but, the, but the, we, we will struggle with those habits and those thoughts and that past. But he did that because he wanted us to be victorious. Having done all to stand, and God says, I'm going to give you what you need to stand. That henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. You see, I encountered the cross, and he set me free. And then he said, Tony, what I done at the cross, I'm going to give you the power of my righteousness to face every single day. So what God says is through the protection of the believers, what he wants to do is hide me behind the cross. This is my shield of righteousness. This is my breastplate of righteousness. If you guys would dare get this visual in your mind of understanding, through this, the devil can't get to you. You understand what God's saying? It's not your righteousness. I want to guard your heart by you submitting to my righteousness. And see, the devil is going to be after you, and he's after your heart, because if he can get into a teenager's heart, he won't be in church when he's 21. He can get into your heart, you won't be married at 35. If he can get into your heart, you won't be witnessing at work. You won't be singing in the choir. You won't be serving God if I can get your heart. And God says, I've got this taken care of. I want you here. I want you to live freed from sin. That, that, that henceforth, we should, should we continue in sin that grace may abound? God says, God forbid, no. I want to hide you behind the cross. See, the thing is, a lot of people would look at this as a bunch of do's and don'ts. And I was, I was in my front yard, and I was spray painting this thing that we were putting in my house. And uh, this guy came by, and he was one of my neighbors. And he stirred up a conversation with me, and he's, he's talking to me. And he says, while we're talking, he says, so we're, uh, you know, what do you do? And I said, I'm a pastor. I, 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 I'm a pastor of Fellowship Baptist Church. And he goes, whatever. He goes, so that's a Baptist church. And I said, yeah, that's a Baptist church. He goes, oh, you're the ones that can't do a bunch of stuff. I'm like, that's the reputation we have? We have the reputation that you can't do a bunch of stuff? Wow, now I was thinking, I've seen some of you. You have more fun than anybody, and you're sober when you do it. There is a difference. Verse 9, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. That's what we've said. Likewise, reckon you also selves dead indeed unto sin. I tell them, I say, I say you know, I'll, I'll tell you what the deal is. What we preach against at our church is what's wrong, what God calls out wrong. It's not a matter of me being Baptist and not doing a big list, and you walk to our church and say, well, if you're going to join our church, these are the things you can and can't do on Monday and Friday night. Da, da, da. <laughs> it's not in your righteousness. I'm, I'm sorry to tell you, none of that's going to do anything for you. God um, loves us so much that you'll never understand the depth and width of God's love that he has for you. 
Did you guys know that I do not let my kids play in the street? And I know you're going to say you're just an awful dad and you don't want your kids having fun. And, 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 and the thing is, I, I, I lay awake at night sometimes just thinking of horrible things that I can do to my kids to pull away all the fun that they have in their life. And one of them that they have is I just want to pull away their ability to play in the street. Now you're sitting there as an adult saying, no, you tell them not to play in the street because you want what's best for them and you want them to live. You see, there are certain things through the righteousness of God that God has declared what is right and what is wrong. You guys listen up and I can promise you we can change your life from what you're about to hear right now. God said, if you would learn, number one, to submit what I have called to be righteous and unrighteous, it would change your life. See, what God has done on the cross, he has set me free from addictions. So therefore, when I'm hiding behind and I submit to what the Lord has said, I'm doing that to keep myself out of bondage in this world. I am guarding my heart through the righteousness of my God. And a lot of people look at that do's and don'ts of what you cannot and cannot do. When God says, I will set no wicked thing before me, I will not touch the unclean thing, or I will, and there's a whole list of things that I could list before you. The reason why God is doing that is because he is trying to guard your heart from the devil getting in your life and trying to tear you apart and to pull you back into the bondage that you were in before he saved you. See, there's, there, let, me, let me pull you through a couple of little things that he said. Verse 11 in this Bible study, likewise. He said, death had no more dominion over you. We already established that, amen. We, we, we have said there's nothing that can separate me from the love of God. But he says, likewise, reckon ye, ye also yourselves to be dead unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ. Now listen to this. We go from the soul to the body. Verse 12, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey the lust thereof. You realize what God was saying? He said, yes, I died on the cross and I set you free, but if you therefore step out of the authority of what God has said is right and wrong, you open your heart up for him to leave you as an open target for the devil. In the world that we live in right now, we have people being ripped apart left and right and saying, I don't know why, I don't know why God, a loving God, would all these things happen to me. And God said, you stepped out of my authority a long time ago. You walked out, you do your own thing, and then you blame me for it? No. The Bible says there is right and there is wrong. There is holy and there is unholy. There is righteous and there is unrighteous. And we therefore turn around and God has set us free. And God said, hide yourself behind what is right. And we set ourselves out. We open up our hearts to do what is wrong. And the devil will take you down every single time. Let not. Here's how we do it. Number one, through surrender. We have to surrender ourselves to his righteousness. Verse 13, neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourself unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. You know why God says, touch not, and the things that he has set, and he pulls us and says, hide yourself beyond the righteousness of God to guard your heart? Because the thing is, God wants to use you a vessel to serve him and to do great things with your life. And the devil knows as soon as he gets in your heart, you will fail in every area of your life and he will bring you down. He's not trying to rob your fun, he's trying to save your life. Here's the second thing, not only surrender, but we submit. 
The Bible says, trust and obey, for there is no other way. We sing that all the way. But the thing is, we, we have to not trust in our own understanding. In all our ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct our paths. In every bit of our life, even when it doesn't make sense, I put myself under the authority of God's word because I know he knows better than what I do. We say this as parents all the time, saying, son, you're not going to understand why I'm telling you this, but you've got to trust me. And God does the same thing with us. He's trying to guard your heart. The last thing that he does is calls us into service. In Romans 6, 17, But thanks be to God that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye shall become the servants of righteousness. See, we've got a job to do to charge into this world, holding the shield of faith and guarding our hearts because the devil is after us. And if we don't learn to submit to what and remove the things that he has died on the cross to save us from, we step out of the authority of God's word and we open up our hearts and he will plant in your hearts and he will take you down one day at a time, one thing at a time. And before long, you might be swinging the sword, but he's already penetrated your heart. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. I said I was a little distracted this morning for a number of different reasons and I won't get into all of them. But uh, this morning, some of you have uh, heard from the Girardis that their, their daughters, one of their daughter's close friends, is 13 years old. And this past week, she, she took her own life being 13 years old. This little girl has attended our church, and, and, and it, it has bothered me so bad. I, and, and, and I had the Girardis kind of share in our Sunday school class this morning. They've got some challenges that they have in the next days and hours ahead that are unbelievable. And then I, I guess I get in these passages that God has called us out and says, you know, do you get what I'm trying to say here? Is that I'm trying to raise a church that are filled with spiritual warriors to go in the battle. But then we have these people that they have no heart for anything of God. You, you have stepped out and said, I don't look at that. I, I've got this. Whatever it is, and, and I'm telling you, we cannot make a difference and reach out to help these kids and help these people if we're not willing to step up and submit to the things of God to where God can fill us with the Spirit of God. I shared with my Sunday school this morning about, I read Galatians chapter 6 verse 1, and I'm sorry, I probably maybe even shouldn't have preached this this morning because I was so distracted with the things that God has laid on my heart. But let me tell you this, that passage starts off and says, ye which are spiritual, Restore such a one. For the fallen that are in your church, God said, ye that are spiritual. The ones that God has a moving and the spirit of God in their life. God said, those are the ones that I'm calling to step up and do something. And I just feel like we have a massive lack. And I'm just being honest. In our day and age, we have a massive lack of what God would call out in our church and in our pews. That which is spiritual people. Church attenders, yes. Even filling ministries and things like that. But I wonder how many of us could call ourselves out to say, ye which are spiritual. You that are, God could call upon as a David or a Gideon or someone like that that says, come here, I, I've got a job for you. I want you to step in. I want you to go out. I want you to raise your sword and put up the shield and do these things and not make it about us. Guys, so many things that we do, we, we make it about lifting us up it's not about us paul said who was the greatest evangelist he said i die daily i crucify my flesh 
It's not about me. It's not what about what I'm trying to do. It's all about pointing people to Jesus Christ. But I'll tell you, there's a danger when we can't get our eyes off of ourselves. And it's so much about what I want. And we have so many casualties. And I guess when I read this passage about God saying, I, I'm craving, I'm striving, I desire spiritual warriors that are spiritual. Be able to stand up and fight for those that are being attacked like this. Our world is filled with casualties. What are we doing? I can be one of the most selfish people I've ever met in my life. I'll be more concerned about what somebody has said about me or not said about me. About something that I didn't get my way or something that I didn't like. And while we're doing that, the devil is ripping this world to shreds like this poor little girl. I just sat back and I just want to surrender to the cross and say, Lord, hide me behind the cross. And I, I feel like I battle my flesh just like everybody else does. I hope I'm not offending you right now. I just have to say this. If we don't learn to be spirit-filled, spirit-led people, there won't be a generation for us to reach that is following us. If they don't see us laying down our lives and lifting it up and never making it about us, but everything about Jesus Christ. There is a battle, and it's not with flesh and blood. May God stir our hearts up to the spiritual battle that we are facing. The devil is not a wimp. He's not in this to play fair, and he's not playing fair. This morning, I was on one of our bus routes, and every one of those kids that got in, and I'm thinking about the Girardis and what they're facing right there, and, and I told them, I said, if I could go back, if I would have known, if I would have known that girl was in the hallway, if I would have known she was going through, if I would have known, if I would have known, I would have been so much different. You know what God pricked my heart and said? You have all these other kids all around you. What are you doing for them? You have no idea which one of them might be the next one on that verge of breaking down and not being able to bear what they're bearing in their heart. What are you doing for them? How many of us came in here today looking at ourselves and not looking up around them to the people that God has brought into us? You could be the Savior, the help, the need, the hope to somebody that's here today. Not just us. On Monday morning when you go to work and school or wherever God puts us, we have a calling. Let my life, hallelujah, my life is Jesus.